Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, and we focus on Magic Arena. This week, I've got a returning guest who hasn't been on the podcast in a little while. Welcome back, Alan. Thanks. How's it going? Pretty good. Just uh, finished doing a little bit of shopping. I'm going to do a slow cooker recipe, and uh, I think it'll turn out okay. I think so. I have no cooking aptitude whatsoever, and my slow cooking has generally gone pretty well. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's like the perfect thing. Set it and forget it while I go play games. It, that is exactly what I do. Hmm. <laughs> now, before we get started, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to promote? Any sites or anything? Yeah, absolutely. I can be followed on Twitter. I tweet occasionally there at twitter.com slash Brashara, and then on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Brashara. So both Brashara on all social media sites, so it's pretty easy to find. Yes, definitely. We'll send some traffic over your way, and uh, do you have any uh, streaming schedule at the moment? I actually don't right now. I've just moved, and so I Mm -hmm. am sort of setting up my real-life schedule and my streaming schedule, and they keep both changing, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to lie here. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the listeners will be quite understanding that sometimes real life gets in the way of, of gaming. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, for myself, I'm VM Campos everywhere. So twitter.com slash VM Campos, VM, VMC or VM Campos.com website, although I don't update that as much as I should, and YouTube, Patreon, all that fun stuff. So uh, I think it's pretty easy to find us once we know, um, once people know our, our handles. Mm-hmm. So this week's topic is uh, we'll talk a little bit about War of the Spark now that it's been out for a while. And uh, I'm sure both of us have been playing a fair amount in the new paradigm. So uh, I wanted to start off with one particular planeswalker that we're enjoying. So which which one at the moment uh, has been a good uh, friend in your deck? So I started this uh, this set. I was like, well, I've been winning with Esper Control for like two years. I'm going to try to play Esper Control. And uh, the Planeswalkers do not want you to play Esper Control, Hmm. at least not in its typical way. I remember I registered four copies of Chemister's Insight at our first F&M against Narset Parter of Veils, Mm -hmm. uh, which says you can't draw more than one card a turn. (laughs) So that was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So then I promptly turned to the dark side, and my my favorite Planeswalker has been Tybalt, Rakish Instigator. (laughs) Very nice, yes. That card has been unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Finally, redemption for the instigator. Abs- it's ironic, too, because the original Tybalt, right? Everyone talks about how terrible it is, mm-hmm. but I think it would actually be really overpowered in this set uh, mm-hmm. because of the way it plays with Mox Amber. Like, if you look at the Jeskai Planeswalker deck, they were so desperate to turn on Mox Amber, they were playing Fibblethip. If they could just play a Planeswalker on two and then later turn it into a dragon with Sarkin, like, mm-hmm. I think the actual first Tybalt that everyone thinks is terrible would have been unbelievable in this set. But new Tybalt has been incredible as well. Obviously, it shuts off life gain. That's mm-hmm. great. It makes some imps, which yeah. are fine. But, mm-hmm. like, the fact that the card is good post-board in almost every matchup is what stood out to me. You generally don't want it in the red mirror, but it's like great against every control deck that's trying to gain life against you. Mm-hmm. It's great against every grindy deck that's trying to manage the game with removal spells. And it is also great against the white aggressive decks mm-hmm. because the devils just chew them up. Yeah. Yeah, people see them 
People just see those as like one ones, but when they die, they do damage to anything. So it could take down a, the two two that's coming at you, or do the one damage to the planeswalker or the player. So yeah, those little one one devils are more than more than they seem. Yeah, I once had a board. I stalled out on three mana, and I drew like three tibbles in a row hmm. playing against mono white. I just like make a devil, make a devil, new yeah. tibble, make a devil, new tibble, like make a devil, new tibble, make a devil. And my opponent attacked with a bunch of creatures, thinking I was dead for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I blocked everything. And then used all the triggers to shoot down their Benelish Marshal and shrink their whole team. Yeah. And then all the damage I had put on their creatures was now lethal because they were no longer getting plus one plus one from the Benelish Marshal. Yeah. And so their whole board fell apart. It was that card is just it's the real deal. Now, I, I've kind of seen some people joking online about okay, well, they they banned in standard that one uh, dinosaur that prevented life gain Ferocidon <laughs> or something. So yeah, are they gonna do that with uh with Tybalt, because he's also got a no life gain clause. <laughs> I think this one's a little bit safer than that card. <laughs> I am one of the people who thinks Frostedon needs to stay on the ban list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that card was terrible for standard. Hmm. Well, that's what kind of like the evolution of things, like going back to your original Tybalt. Yeah, people, it was a joke for a long time. And then now that you're saying that it can be very useful nowadays. So that's just it's so interesting about the game of magic that something that's released at one point, people might have a certain perception of it. And then later on, it changes like Lion's Eye Diamond. Like it was like, oh, that's a terrible uh, Black Lotus. You have to sacrifice your whole hand. Well, nowadays with graveyard shenanigans and commanders and all of that, three mana for, for zero cost, uh, I'll take that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Sorry, I was going to say, I mean, I have to, if I had to pick one Planeswalker, it would be Tybalt, for mm-hmm. sure. My pick is more of a limited uh, Planeswalker. Now, I'm a degenerate Demir player that I love to mill people and do card distraw from their uh, from their hand, you know, card disruption. Uh, so Ashiok Dream Renderer uh, is one that I'm enjoying in limited because... Um, if he can't be answered, or if they can't be answered, uh, that's, uh, you know, five activations of four cards every turn. That's 20 cards that you mill them. And I kind of saw the light with that character when someone did it to me the first time. I'm like, hmm, this might be an interesting thing in limited. Obviously, just in limited, maybe not in a regular uh, constructed, but uh, that's one I'm liking at the moment when I can pick them up on, on, on limited. Yeah, I actually, the first week War of the Spark came out, you know, all the events were limited because nobody has all their standard cards yet. It's easier mm-hmm. to just fire limited events and everyone wants more cards anyway. Uh, I drafted a blue-black control deck, and my 40th card, like the last card I put in, was Ashiok. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, I don't know if this card's any good. I mean, it doesn't seem like milling them a bunch of times will be that great. But, like, maybe I'll play a long game in my blue-black control deck, and then I'll just kill them with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll play 20 turns. And then they'll lose the ability to play the other 20 turns. So playing in the finals, my opponent plays an island and then the wall of runes, mm-hmm. the one for the scries. And I'm like, oh, good. Their deck is defensive. I have the Ashiok in my hand. Mm-hmm. Turn three, I play the Ashiok and mill them for five. Turn four, I spark double, make a second Ashiok, <laughs> mill them for 10. And they lost almost on the spot. Like, <laughs> They just lost 35 cards out of their deck before they even knew what happened. Yeah. It was unbelievably good. 
Well, that's that's the great combo there with with that spark double that, you know, you how does it go again? You blink something, but then it comes back with either a plus one plus one or more loyalty, right? No, spark double is a clone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Spark double clones it, but the spark double does not have the same name as it, or it's not legendary. Like, yeah. So you can play a planeswalker clone it with spark double and have both, and the spark double has one more loyalty. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just got two Ashiok activations every turn. Yeah, and since they were defensive, they had no way to go after them. Yeah, they literally couldn't get loyalty off of them, and they just they just perished. Mm-hmm. So they also have the act, uh, the static ability about uh, opponents can't uh, can't search their libraries. So what do you think about so many of these uncommon planeswalkers with static abilities? I really like the ones that affect you or your things. So mm-hmm. I love. Nissa, you know, who makes the forest tap for an extra green, or mm-hmm. Vivian, who gives your creature spells flash, mm-hmm. or um, Kazmina, who protects your things. Mm-hmm. I am less happy about cards like Narset and Teferi, which affect your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because I think that those effects, especially Narset's each opponent can't draw more than one card, should say each player, but two, because they lead to a massive number of game rule violations. Hmm. Where people like accidentally draw cards because Narset's in play mm-hmm. when they can't, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose obviously in real life because there's just so much yep. to keep track of. But um, playing with paper cards, it causes an incredible. You just like you cast opt, right? And you just go to resolve opt the same way you've resolved opt yeah. the last two hundred times you cast the spell. Yeah. But now it's different, mm-hmm. you know. And so people just are drawing cards left and right and getting game rule violations because Narciss in play and it's just kind of a mess. And I would have been happier if they were all things that were easier to address. Wasn't there a big one with Sarkin in a in the uh, one of the uh, recent events that, um, you know, because Sarkin turns your planeswalkers into dragons, but then there's also life loss, but then loyalty loss, something like that? Yeah, I actually heard like a couple seats down for me at one of our fnms like a 10 minute judge call about sarkin uh i think it had something to do with sarkin and sahili and turning dragons into planeswalkers and i don't know i had to tune it out to finish my match but it was like 10 minutes this judge was trying to sort out what had happened yeah exactly i think sarkin is very confusing Mm mm-hmm that's a good point it's just such a complex board state when i was at the pre-release uh, at at one of my local shops, uh, yeah, th- there were planeswalkers galore, and uh, someone had managed to crack the um, the nickel bolus card, and they kind of uh, they were a newer player, and it was it was like such a great uh, Timmy moment about look, I got the biggest card of all, and it's a great card, yes, but when I uh, happened to be paired up against the person. Um, it was that my deck was a little bit more aggro, but by the time they were able to get there, their big old planeswalker, you know, even though he had all the abilities, he still couldn't quite handle with what I was doing. So it's just, it's a, re- it's a really complex set, isn't it? I think so. Absolutely. Hmm. I've drafted quite a few times and each time it's been, not only what I've been doing has been completely different, but like what I've had to be ready for has been completely different. Yes, exactly. Well, on the next topic, what other card besides uh, a Planeswalker are you enjoying in War of the Spark at the moment? So I think that my favorite card, if I had to pick, would be 
in limited, even though I'm much more of a constructed player, Bonds of Insight is so much fun to cast in limited. Oh my goodness. The blue and three colorless sorcery where everybody mills four, and then you get two instants or sorceries back. Drafting blue-black control is so much fun in this set. Like, <laughs> Narset feels like a mythic when you play it. Like, when you play it and activate it, and you're like, I get to do this again? Like, that card... And maybe that's the neat thing about War of the Spark with a lot of these Planeswalkers. Is even though they're uncommon and they're at an uncommon power level, like, sort of the effects you're getting feel like you have a Mythic Rare. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's just been all blast. Mm-hmm. I like that they did this cycle. Every color gets a, a particular bond. Uh, you know, just for the Vorthos of it, I kind of like that, that they do cycles. And I listened to Mark, Waters, uh, Mark Rosewater's podcast about just game theory and all of that. And, and one of the concepts is completion. And so for every color to have a bond that's in its part of the color pie, I think that's, you know, in a, on a level fun power level, we that can be the ba- debatable as always, but that bond of insight, like for example, the art, it's got what a Demir uh, mage it is teaming up. Is it inside of the spider? Like mm-hmm. front and center, like the Demir spider, mm-hmm. and Niv Mizzet's inside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Izzet sign and the Demir sign coming together, mm-hmm. and they've got their bond of insight. Mm-hmm. And the flavor text, I mean, on all of these bonds is great, but mm-hmm. the particular, the Demir Izzet one is just so great. Together, mm-hmm. we can unlock secrets no one has even dreamed of. I might even let you remember some of them. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. So much flavor in the in the set, definitely, and you can really see it in the bond because this is the big culmination of this of these years of story, and it took the whole plane of Ravnica. Spoiler alert! To come together and uh, take care of Nicol Bolas. Were you following much of the of the story uh, recently uh, about all the shenanigans going on? So they put out the book about the battle on Ravnica. Mm-hmm but they didn't release all the stuff that leads up to it. Yeah. So I haven't read it yet because I want to read it in order, and I don't know why they didn't release it in order. Yeah. So I know kind of the Cliff's Notes, but uh, no, I haven't gotten into the details yet um, mm-hmm. because I'd rather experience it kind of chronologically. Yeah, definitely here as well. I have not read the book, and I've picked up the story points from the cards, which kudos to Wizards for uh, releasing their their preview cards in sequence. I thought that was interesting, and yeah. uh, they've started to release some of those stories from uh, on on the mothership. So I'm trying to catch up with them here and there as well. But it's a really deep well um, of story that we can get into just you know, from my understanding of the book, it's just what's happening at the battle. But of course, there was a lot of lead up to it. So I uh, can't wait to get into that. Yeah, the book is literally just the battle. Mm-hmm. So my particular card, I'm trying to put together a um, a mono white cats deck. So if people play me, they, they know that I like to play with cats. So I've got Selesnya cats uh, or mono white cats. And it's not a big power deck, but when I was part of the uh, the, the Wizards um, streamer, the early streamer event, uh, I got a, an account sponsored by Wizards and I got to play War of the Spark. I tried to put together uh, that kind of deck, which was Charm Stray plus a Johnny's Pride Mate plus, 
me see, what's that one other spirit that flies? Grateful Apparition, that one also proliferates. And then I put mm-hmm. in there Honorary Cat uh, Oketra. <laughs> and uh, Gideon is the crazy cat lady wrangling them all. It was pretty fun. <laughs> Gideon's the crazy cat lady? Yep, yep. He had oh, he had the uh, Charm Stray, the, the, the Pride Mate, the uh, uh, Oketra... And I think those are the only cats of note. Okay, uh, there's feral maca, I guess. There was another maca or something, but it was in red. And yeah, I was just... there's like a red cat too. Yeah. I think there isn't there also like a zombie cat. The zombie cat, yeah, there I is. Think Dread like Malkin. Eternal cat, but you probably have to go black, and that's probably tough. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, cats are are never really a powerful thing, uh, but it's fun and flavorful, and you know, cats are my favorite in. Uh, pets in real life so i'm trying to do cat decks once in a while and when i play with my local group my selesnia cat deck with um with uh that one leon and war leader making a bunch of cats and i'm also doing uh pride sovereign from amon cat and that little cat gets really big they just need trample and then it's really really impressive oh man yeah i remember actually Green white cats during Amon Cat. Um, the mm-hmm. metagame at the store I played at didn't have a lot of control in it. Mm-hmm. I was the only person playing control there. Mm-hmm. And I'll, so there wasn't a lot of settle the records. There wasn't a lot of cleansing Nova or fumigate. I think it was fumigate at the time. Yeah. So I'm sure as a cat player, you know what happens when the cats get to just sort of hang out. <laughs> and so somebody actually had built the cat deck with like um, Regal Caracol yeah. and Sovereign Pride Maid and all those cards. And it like obliterated everyone. Mm-hmm. It was really like in a metagame where everyone was trying to attack and deal damage. The cat deck was so unbelievably strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my current build in real life. It's got the Regal Caracals, the Pride Sovereign, um, Leon and War Leader. Yeah, Leon and War Leader. Then that Eternalized Cat, uh, Adorned Pouncer. So when oh, it comes back from the graveyard. Now. Yeah. Yeah, 4-4 four, four, double striking, 4-4 four, four, double striking zombie cat with lifelink. No, actually 5-5 five, five, double strike because I'd have the Caracal out, so that's pretty fun. Oh, yeah, I am a big fan of tribal decks. Mm-hmm. On an earlier build, I also had some fun artifacts uh, like Argentum Armor. Uh, so Argentum Armor on a, on a double striker. Uh, that's fun. Or uh, I had another. I had them having a sword. I think I forgot which one. But you know that's a fun visual right there. One of these. I'm cats. just picturing a cat with a sword now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now is it holding it by its tail, or is it strapped to its side, or how does it do it? Yeah. Right. It's like one of those pictures. It's like would the shark wear a hat like this <laughs> or like this, and it like shows the hat in like two yeah. different places. <laughs> Be one of those for how would a cat wield a sword? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tribal um, tribal seems to be a very big component of the fully revealed Modern Horizons. Any general thoughts on Modern Horizons before we dig down a little into it? So Modern Horizons is one of these sets. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I think this set looks really, really cool. But of the whole set, I feel like maybe only... 20 or 30 of the cards needed to be placed into modern. So I wonder if this could have, I don't know. It's tough, right? Like I'm not a game designer. I don't know how these pieces put together, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know how much that's going to cost to draft, but I'm sure however much it costs, I'm going to wish I could draft more of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this set looks awesome. I want to play this snow deck every day <laughs> until I'm so old that I can't play magic anymore because my hands don't work. <laughs> so you're trying to summon Merit Leash? Oh, I, I mean, I don't even want to summon Merrillage. I want to pay a blue and a green for a 1-1 flash that lets me draw a card, and it has Death Touch. <laughs> and I just want to do that until my opponent gives up. <laughs> the only problem is uh, getting everyone to agree, agree on its pronunciation. Oh, yeah. Let me see. Let me look at... What's the name of this card again? Let me Something Coatl. Yeah, um, let me see if I can pronounce it. Ice Fang Coatl. Yeah, okay. I... I had to do the other card that looks sweet is right next to it on the spoiler list. Hogak Arisen Necropolis. <laughs> yeah. The card you can't you can only cast without spending mana. Yeah. Are you familiar with the combo with this? Uh no, not quite. What's what's going on with it? So you go swamp stitcher's supplier. Oh yeah. Mill three. Mm -hmm. And now you have a creature that can tap for the colored mana. And then on turn two, you play either another Stitcher Supplier or a Sayer Wayfinder or any similar card. You mulch a bunch of more cards and you just play this thing mm -hmm. from your hand or graveyard mm -hmm. if you milled it. Yeah. On turn two. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Those those <laughs> those two Golgari critters really can fill up your graveyard pretty fast, and you're gonna yeah. be able to convoke or, or or cast it from the graveyard, huh? Yeah, and you get the whole... There's so many cards that can do this. You have Stitcher Supplier. You have Seder mm -hmm. Wayfinder, both of which just mill cards. Seder mm -hmm. Wayfinder gives you a land, uh, puts it in your hand. Mm -hmm. You have that new Golgari 3-1 um, that just costs green-black, and it mills three, and you can choose to put a land on top of your graveyard. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm sorry, on top of your library. Um, you have, like, 12 or 16 one- or two-mana cards that mill you when they come into play. Mm -hmm. um if you play blue you also have that that uh the landfall mill guy um the crab hedron crab mm -hmm. so you have a ton of ways to like play a hogak on turn two and that is an eight eight trampler yes it's legendary avatar yeah so that's that'd be pretty fun to try to um to pull off definitely the theory of it makes really good sense and if you if you have you know a playset and such, you can try to stack the odds better in your favor. And I'd love to to see if that if people can pull that off. Yeah, and the the thing about it is that like modern is a place which is specifically weak to large creatures which cost a lot of mana. Yeah, like there's not a lot of ways to make them, but like Gurmag Angler runs all over games mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in modern right now, and this is like another four Gurmag Anglers, but also you can cast them from your graveyard. <laughs> yeah. So you get like this Turbo Delve deck that's never existed before. That mm -hmm. seems incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a little bit for everyone. If you kind of go into it in terms of, this is a deck with a lot of fun things and there's some nostalgia to it and I'll find some pieces for some fun decks. I think it's a great set. I think the the price of it, yeah, to draft it's going to, you know, they're doing the 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 premium price per booster unfortunately and uh it's doesn't seem like it's going to have any um uh guaranteed foil. Although it looks like they're doing a guaranteed uh did you see that they're doing like a guaranteed art card per pack? Yes, I did. It's in place of the token or yeah, it's in place of the token, I believe. Uh huh. Are you sure about that? And because I not a hundred percent. I thought it was. I could be wrong though. Because I know that there are tokens in the set, so I 
I don't know oh, if it'll okay. be either or. So I know there's tokens. I've seen the token sheet, but I think the oh, thing okay. was that they're taking out the land, I suppose. They can't take out the land. There's a snow basic in every pack. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, we got the snow. So that's, got, that's where they're taking out the... Uh, that was why I thought they were taking out the token. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's going to be stealth 17 cars that they're not revealing to us. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of really good cards in this set. Uh, I mean, it looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. I know a player in uh, in real life that she's uh, really excited for all of these new slivers. Oh, I bet. Uh, one of my friends, she messaged me the moment the, the first sliver was spoiled. She was like, Alan, Alan, Alan. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, slivers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first sliver and supplanting sliver queen and that other one sliver champion is that the other big wooberg sliver overlord sliver overlord yes 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 Mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of uh and then and they went back to the classic sliver not that weird humanoid mutant thing huh i'm so happy about that i do not like the humanoid slivers i'm glad they were able to walk it back Mm -hmm. because sometimes wizards refuses to walk it back i'm happy they chose to this time yeah exactly and there's just a lot of nostalgia in it, too. Like, I've got one just randomly pulled up, Knight of Old Benalia. So they had the new Benalia in uh, Dominaria, and then how here's the old Benalia. But um, I would have expected that to look a little bit more like the classic Benalish hero, you know, from back in the day. Knight of Old Benalia, yeah. I mean, he's just... Uh, I like that it has suspend. That's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, Mox Tantalite is a, another suspend card. Yeah, there's a ton of mechanics in this set, which I think is really neat. Um, that said, I am not a big fan. Some of these cards are pretty on the nose about what they're supposed to be. Um, and I think some of those are fine, but others make me very unhappy. <laughs> uh, Pondering Mage made hmm. me very unhappy. Hmm. Because I want Ponder in yeah. Modern, and yeah. I'm just not allowed to have it, I guess. But then they were like, oh, we're going to print a whole bunch of cards into modern. I get it's a limited card. I get it. But I really wish they had just been like, here's your modern ponder. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's a five mana three, four or whatever. Um, and then like, uh, what was it? Umazawa's charm, which gives you yeah. like one JIT activation <laughs> yeah. from Umazawa's Jite is like well named. But I mean, there are some unbelievable cards in this set. I think I'm most excited for Unearth. Unearth is one black. Return target creature with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Cycling okay, two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, they they printed that one recently in one of the masters, ultimate masters, didn't they? Twenty five or ult. Yeah, it was whichever one is supposed to be graveyard masters, I yeah. believe. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, again, even earlier than that, I think in M in Masters twenty five. I'm not sure, but I mean, casting that on young pyromancer or seasoned pyromancer mm-hmm. seems nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was I was actually kind of looking back at the previous prints of, of that card, and it it uh, I could have sworn that it was already kind of like available, but it's cool that they did these reprints of some of these cards while splashing in variations of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, like okay, Mana War. That's that's a classic. That's when I you know the first generation of me playing Magic back in Visions. That's the mm-hmm. uh, the one that bounces things back. So it's kind of interesting to see that card, which is over 20 years old, still getting kind of reprints 
and uh, power level wise, it still does uh, something useful, but mana wise, you wouldn't quite run that sort of an expensive spell as much, I would think. Yeah, Man of War is a little bit tough to play in modern, uh, specifically because Reflector Mage is in modern. Mm -hmm. And for the same mana cost, you have to pay a white instead of a generic, but you get a 2 3 instead of a 2 2, and they can't recast the spell for a turn. Mm-hmm. It's just Man of War is just not as pushed as it once was, but yeah, very strong and limited still. Oh, okay, yeah. Especially in a set like this where you have all these ninja. So, like, bouncing your opponent's creatures out of the way is potentially valuable, and resetting your creatures oh, yeah. is potentially very valuable as well. Mm-hmm. This also seems like another complicated set uh, in Limited, especially because you've just got so many things. It's like the best of hits from so many sets that you've got to con- contend with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of new cards that are very powerful. I love these sets where you get to play. I love cube drafting. I love when you get to build a draft deck that is about as powerful as a constructed deck, but it's not a constructed deck. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's always been a blast, and this set definitely at that power level. Mm -hmm. The big hype card, it seems that everyone's talking about, finally, Urza, Lord High Artificer. So he's finally got his own legendary card. Mm -hmm. I was excited to see that. And the Urza card is really good. Yeah. Um, Like, really, really good. It goes infinite with like a bunch of different things, which I feel like generally I'm not a big fan of infinite combos. Um, I don't like them in casual play. In in competitive play, they're probably fine, but like they generally seem to crop up in commander where I wish they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like Urza is such a powerful character that maybe Urza should show up and just ruin everything. (laughs) Like maybe that's just what Urza should do when Urza arrives. Well, according to the lore, he pretty much did a few times. Exactly. That's what I mean. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this is this is the guy who put planeswalkers into soul bombs and blew up entire planes of existence. Like <laughs> yes. maybe he is allowed to go infinite. Yeah. And then we're getting these other characters from lore like Yogmoth has a card now. Mm-hmm. I was stoked to see Yogmoth as well. Even after they spoiled Urza and Sarah, I didn't think we were going to get Yogmoth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is a really neat card for Commander. Um mm-hmm. I can't imagine it seeing any modern play, uh, but it might. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Like, free sack outlets are notoriously very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's that deck, the the Malira Silvok Outcast deck that attempts to gain infinite life with Kitchen Finks. Mm-hmm. And the problem that deck had is that some people can just beat infinite life. You know, some mm-hmm. decks can beat that in modern. Mm-hmm. I mean, adding draw card to that combo means you basically can't lose. Yeah. Because you just also get to draw your whole deck. Yeah. So seems very powerful. Yeah, and just like the concept of like you have something infinite, some resource in the game, you suddenly have it infinite, either life or or card drawing, which is your whole library. Uh, that's just, you know, theoretically fascinating to me also. But in uh, in practical terms, you basically win the game. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, that both of them deliver... And that's a neat thing about making a set for modern is if you're just making any other set, you can't put cards in it that say four mana win the game. Yeah. (laughs) You can't put cards into standard that say pay for win the game. But modern is a turn four format. So you can get these unbelievably cool cards. And I think that's something that's sort of magic's getting better at it now uh, with cards like Nicol Volus Dragon God, where they're able to pay off these enormous 
story characters in a way where the cards feel very powerful, but they can also be played competitively. And mm-hmm. I think for a while they missed on one end or the other, like Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, and Aetherworks Marvel were clearly too good. Um, and then other story cards were just nowhere near good enough, and that's why I can't remember their names. <laughs> but I think they're getting much better in current standard sets. Cards like Narset feel very powerful and are fine for their cost. Uh, same with Nicol Bolas, Dragon God, Teferi Hero of Dominaria, though he might have been a little too good for a lot of the time that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um these cards are like important story cards and they feel powerful. And I think they've these cards do the same thing where they feel unbelievably powerful. I only wish that we had gotten a cycle somehow. You know, we were just talking about cycles. Yeah. I would have loved. I don't know if there is a red and green equivalent to Yogmoth, Urza, and Sarah, though. Uh, we've already gotten Freyalise as a planeswalker from, from the old days. She was the original Nyssa green Mm -hmm. character right and um Mm -hmm. who else is important in green i don't know multani is is he he's not a planeswalker is he? he's just like an avatar or something well neither urza nor yagmoth are planeswalkers on their card yeah but i just mean that like big enough that they have like these big disruptive uh cards no i i mean i can't think of anything for for green and i mean even for red you come up with like a chroma, but you can't really make like a cheap a chroma, right? That hmm. would be weird. Like a hmm. four mana a chroma would probably be very underwhelming. Hmm. Um, Season Pyromancer is really cool, but it's not like as sweet as Urza, Lord High Artificer, you know? Yeah. I mean, it might arguably be better than both Yogmoth and Sarah, but it's not as cool as they are. And then Hex Drinker is neat, but again, it's not, you know, it's not a legendary personality from magic's history but mm-hmm. i mean this set is just so cool mm-hmm. and now we've got a our brand newest two mana planeswalker ren and stimpy i mean ren and six <laughs> yeah when they spoiled ren and six i was like that was actually the point at which i was like this is a stupid commander set and i am so mad <laughs> and then i realized that i spoke way too soon because then they put all these unbelievable land payoffs in the set and said oh no, it's not, we're not printing cards for Commander. We are creating a whole new modern archetype. Mm. Or I guess revitalizing one, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what your opinions on aggro loam are. But it's basically a deck that plays an aggressive game plan while also playing life from the loam to return lands from the graveyard. And Mm -hmm. it uses those lands in various ways. Um, Traditionally, they would throw them at you for two points of damage each. But now there is a myriad of opportunities um, you know, you can return them to play and play them. You can get them back and cycle them again. You can discard them to make bears. I think mm. the options, like, I think they really paid off on revitalizing new archetypes or revitalizing old archetypes, which is what they said they were going to do. Mm. I think they really paid that off. I think Urza has revitalized the the artifact decks, which maybe don't even feel like they need it. Uh, but, you know, the development cycle is long. Uh, but, like, the War Prison deck is already very good, but Urza makes it even better. Um, Cabal Therapist, Force of Despair, a lot of these black cards, Unearthed, seem to be giving new life to the grindy black decks. I mean, Crypt Rats, you play Popper, right? Mm-hmm. Crypt Rats is in Modern now. Yeah. Which is the 1-1 one, one for 3, where you could pay X and deal X damage to everything on the battlefield. Spend only black mana. Yeah, I oh, had that God. one also back in the day. That's I guess that's some Mirage or Visions or one of those, but yeah, it's back, in, back in Modern. Mm-hmm. But that's in Modern now. Yeah, You know, um, it's unbelievable that we're getting cards like at this power level here. And I don't even know what else they're going to do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Sling Gang Lieutenant. Yeah. Uh, which is a 1-1 one, one for four that gives you two 1-1 one, one red goblins when you cast it, and you can sack goblins to deal one. Again, mm-hmm. it's another free way to sacrifice your creatures, and that stuff has historically been very good. Mm-hmm. Turning one resource into another. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's a call back over to Siege Gang Commander. Mm-hmm. Which is another one of my favorite cards from that that era. I loved playing goblins. I was the one card that I wanted to be in the set that wasn't was Gem Palm Incinerator, which was a like six mana five three or something that wasn't important. It had red to cycle it. When you cycle it, deal damage to target creature or player equal to the number of goblins you control. Hmm. Okay. So you could cycle it and just kill them with all the. Go- I really wanted. I really want this deck to be good. I'm gonna build it in modern, no matter what, and I really hope it's good. <laughs> there's a there's a card that I just cracked up when I saw it because I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that. Uh, the very last card in the set, alphabetically, Zelfirin Decoy. Um, do you, if you if you look at it yourself, do you recognize anything about it? I do not recognize that name, but let me see if I can find it. What color is it? It's white. So it's the last white card uh, or the last card in the whole set. No, I recognize nothing about this card, except that this man's riding a zebra that has a unicorn horn. <laughs> yes, this is uh, back from Tempest. There, Look up the card Decoy. Uh, and this is like the modern version of the art of that classic card from back in the day. So check out Decoy to compare and contrast. Uh, Master Decoy? Yes, Master Decoy, yes. Oh my gosh, it's, that's unbelievable. I just, I mean, <laughs> the Master Decoy somehow looks far more ridiculous than the <laughs> Zelfirin Decoy. Uh, but uh, I mean, I can see why they might have felt the need to rein this one in. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's that classic Phil Foglio art when it was, when the art direction was a lot different than it is nowadays. Although I miss that sort of like cartoony style. Uh, from that artist in particular, but uh, when I saw this brand new modern regal uh, style of art with uh, you know a modern artist, I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that zebra unicorn from back in the old days. <laughs> the force cycle. What do you think about those? Oh, the force cycle. Yes. Um, well, the the good one in quotes that everyone. kind of likes is the force of negation which people were sort of like well why didn't you just put force of will in it because i I really think the the drawback of play this only during your opponent's turn you know the the pitch effect Mm -hmm. um the alternate cost effect so overall i think being able to play zero casting cost spells is great it really gives you an out just in case because then my opponent might think, well, they're tapped out, I'm safe, let me go off. But nope, I've got uh, Force of Negation, if I've got also the ability to pay the alternative cost. But in general, I, I like the concepts of them, but the power of them all, like the white one is the weakest one, although you get it as an enchantment, so it's kind of like a crusade or anthem, right? So uh, I'm medium on, on them, mostly. What about yourself? So I think this idea that you can only play them on your opponent's turn is a really elegant solution to the problem hmm. with, with free spells. Mm, um, okay. As somebody, I play a ton of Popper, and in Popper I play Mono Blue Delver. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the worst things is just like, or one of the things that my opponents complain about the most is it's like, you can play around days by leaving up a mana, but 
you can't really like outsmart it, you know, any other way because it's free and hmm. it can happen at any time. Um, and same with Gush. And actually, both of those cards just got banned in Popper. Yeah. And I think that if you're going to waive the mana restriction on a card, I think putting in a timing restriction is a very good idea. Hmm. Um, I think it was a really elegant solution. Force of Will would be too good for Modern because you cannot, like, if you if I go, like, Island, Delver of Secrets, go. And then you try to kill it and I force it. Or, like, you... You know, you play a land and say go and then try to kill it. And then I counter it with something else or force it. Like, I just got to know that my creature was going to survive no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a very powerful thing. You know, yeah, it costs two cards or whatever, but Modern is a turn three, turn four format. Mm -hmm. So frequently you don't get to spend all the cards in your hand anyway. So I think while the cost, like requiring you to pitch another card is an important cost for these cards. It serves to stop you from playing a million copies of them automatically and also requires you to have like a reasonably blue deck to play Force of Negation, mm. a reasonably black deck to play Force of Despair, etc. So I think the solution on these was actually very elegant. That mm. said, I think a lot of them are better than people are giving them credit for. Mm. Um, I think Force of Negation is pretty good. My first thought was, how do I combo off on my opponent's turn? Mm-hmm. You know, so I can have my Force of Negations to counter their spells that they have to pay for. Yeah. Um, but I think Force of Despair is also great. I mean, if your opponent plays two creatures, you can exile a black card and kill both of their creatures, right? And then yeah. it's a two for two. Like, mm. this one's maybe not card disadvantage. Um, and then Force of Vigor is the other one I think is very good. Because frequently when you're bringing in Artifact Disruption it's because your opponent is playing Chalice of the Void. Mm -hmm. So they can never really, they need eight mana to stop Force of Vigor. Mm -hmm. Even though it's free, right? So I think that that's a potentially really powerful one. The red one and the white one though, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe maybe there is a white deck where you'd be willing to discard two cards to, you know, to discard a card just to be able to pump your guys by one. Mm -hmm. I guess it's saving grace is that then it becomes... You know, it's a it's an enchantment with flash, so I suppose there's that value for some sort of weenie deck. But uh, I think you 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 hit some good points there about I hadn't thought about that in terms of you know the popper formats and and such for uh, the, how you said like the elegance of it, the timing restriction. So I think that's a, that's a, those are good points. Force of despair also beats empty the war the black force. It destroys all the creatures that come into play. So I love the idea of my black deck having like a real answer to storm cards finally because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just like you're like playing Mardu Pyromancer and you're like discard spell, discard spell, discard spell and they're like ritual, ritual, ritual uh, empty the warrens. I have eight goblins and I'm just like oh man that is eight <laughs> removal spells I need now like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, having this force of despair really covers it yeah and then that, that art is really cool, very creepy and moody and oh yeah Seb McKinnon's been doing a lot of this great style. Like I, I, I have to kind of go back and see when he started to first do art, but I feel like he's been getting a lot of hype recently on the last several sets. Do you remember if he's been an artist that's been around a little while or, or not? Seb McKinnon's done a decent amount of art for Magic. Um, and I believe it has gotten sort of like, I know that he drew Anna Mattel, uh, mm. which was Commander 2018. Mm. He drew... Uh, Debt from the Debtless, I believe, as well. 
mm -hmm. um, which is an art that some people are familiar with. It was a card that was not very much played because it was like a four mana X spell mm -hmm. um, from Return to Ravnica or from Gate Crash, which was the second set. And they basically first they let they let Seb draw cards that were like weird. They would give they would specifically give Seb weird cards. Mm -hmm. And I think that like sort of so he was able to justify drawing slightly outside of the art style with them. And then I think they've all been so popular that he's been getting like more and more free reign to kind of go further. Mm -hmm. And the cards have just all been gorgeous. Yeah, there was the recent deliver onto evil. Yeah, or bedevil. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That's um I guess kind of a deeper discussion uh in terms of art style like the magic art is top notch. It's like great, but I miss having more people that have a more distinct style like Rebecca Gay or Therese Nielsen or Seb McKinnon. You know, I'm looking at a full screen, a full page here of a lot of the art from MH1. And yeah, it's all very nice and it's very high quality and modern and all of that. But none of them really stands out with a lot of uniqueness. And then when it, you look at a piece that really stands out and like, oh, it, yeah, that's that's Seb McKinnon or or some of these others. What do you think about the art style direction in general? I think that it is fine for all of the cards to be the same if that is what they want. And I think... I really like a lot of the older art and a lot of the older cards, and I think that they look really neat. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also there are certain sets, like Guilds of Ravnica specifically, which was done in this sort of like film noir style where all the cards look like they're out of like a 1960s detective movie. Mm -hmm. um, like, And those are unbelievably beautiful cards, and they combine to form something which is larger than the sum of its parts. And so I think the art direction, the idea of strict art direction makes sense in sets like that where you want to communicate something very, like, very thematic. Mm -hmm. But I think in a lot of the time, yeah, I don't think these cards need to look as similar as they sort of do these days. Maybe in a core set they could, since that there's less sort of structure there, maybe in a core set that's where they could experiment with a little bit of a variety there too. Yeah, I mean, anything would be fine. I think that the card frame, like the card frame unifies the cards enough that you can be sure they are all magic. Mm -hmm. So I think past that, like Mirrodin Besieged is a card I think could have looked a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's because of the artist. I mean, like the technical detail on Mirrodin Besieged is really cool, but I would have liked to have seen something that was more outside of the range, you know? Um, there's like a lot of cards like that where just like... I think it, it plays to some artist styles very well and others not as well to mm -hmm. like kind of be confined like that. Mm -hmm. And I think some of Magic's best pieces, like Master Decoy, that card you just told me about, yeah. looks great. That card looks great. And I think that like, I don't think there would be any problem with a card looking like that. You know, it would look out of place, but like that's the whole point of that card, right? Is that yeah. it looks out of place. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with that, without referencing particular, I guess I'll reference one particular card. Goblin Aura Flame was reprinted in this set. Mm -hmm. And the well, new uh, Goblin Aura Flame, what was that? It, it printed new. It was Orcish Aura Flame, the, the original one. Yes, sure. So Goblin Aura Flame printed in this set, it just does the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Versus Orcish Aura Flame. And Orcish Aura Flame has so much flavor to it. 
and goblin or a flame is just like some skulls mm-hmm. with some fire mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have the same impact as when you let the artist really kind of reveal and visualize the mm-hmm. yeah i think this is just an issue about maybe relying too much on trying to be a very modern game and i think they should be happy with having a, a larger variety of styles like in this little group that i'm seeing here we've got goat nap goblin champion and goblin matron and those are kind of teetering a little bit more on the fun funny aspects of things well i guess because they're goblins and it comes with the territory but uh this sort of style like okay goblin champion that's a kev walker piece he's another artist that kind of uh he's been doing magic art since since mirage over 20 years ago so uh, he has this style that stands out to me whenever I see it, and I wouldn't mind having his style in a much more serious piece. Like, what if he did the art for for the Urza card? Uh, like, also like Seb McKinnon. Like, he seems to do art in a certain style that's off kilter. But what if that style was also applied to some of the more marquee cards? Like, what if we had one of the Planeswalkers in that card instead of the uber realistic style that they that they do for their big uh, sort of marquee cards? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it would be very interesting to see some more cards that look very different. Mm-hmm. Well, as we uh, as we wind down, any final thoughts on uh, on Modern Horizons? How hyped are you from a scale of one to nine thousand? So for draft, I'm about an eight thousand, uh-huh. uh, and for constructed, I'm probably. I'm like an optimistic 7.500, but like uh-huh. a realistic 6,000, I think. Okay. Those are some good scores there. Yep. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, I kind of agree on that as well. The, I, I'm not a big like power player and all of that. I go a little bit more towards the fun stuff, but I, I want to win, of course. So I think there's going to be cards in there that will satisfy both of those needs that I'm looking for. Yeah, I think so. I think this set is full of powerful cards and full of sweet cards, and most importantly, full of cards that overlap those two things. Mm-hmm. I think when they do something like that, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, especially with these Masters products. Mm-hmm. I know that there was one, I think it was Masters 25, that sort of delivered below expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think that since then, they've all been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another one that was uh, a little bit more overtly... Well, it was that I think that one was the graveyard set, but it was also the nostalgia set. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was cool seeing the little expansion symbol logo in the text box, but like card wise, uh, they had some interesting picks. It did do a very important thing. Mm-hmm. It gave me a fourth different printing of Blood Moon. <laughs> Uh, so that now when I play four Blood Moons, they can all not match. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, to cause even more chaos. That's perfectly red. Exactly. I love matching cards, matching land arts, all of that. But there are certain cards where I'm like, this card is disrespectful and it should be just completely disrespectful to the idea of uniformity and gameplay experience. And for me, that card is Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you something about that. Uh, if there is a set that has a, you know, three or four cycle uh, or different arts for their basic lands, do you do the three different or four different lands or do you just keep that one land? I will 
only play with matching art mm, okay. for my lands. Hmm. Uh, currently, I play with I play with the same lands too. Uh, so I, I currently play with unglued lands because I think they are gorgeous. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of a weird combination. I play with, or sorry, not unglued, but unstable. I oh, play okay, with yeah. unstable islands mm -hmm. and unstable mountains. Mm -hmm. I play with foil amonkhet for swamps. Mm. I play with uh, the, and sometimes this gets very, very bizarre because I play with the unglued planes. Mm -hmm. and the unhinged i think it is forests mm -hmm. are my favorite lands well, that's nice that's uh definitely visually interesting and having those uh particular more nostalgic sets that's pretty cool too uh do you if you play with against new opponents do they ever like stop and and mention anything about those cards uh so those are the lands i play with online in paper the stable lands and yeah, a lot of the time they're like, whoa, what's going on with your lands? Those are so cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and then all my commander decks have themed matching lands as well. Mm -hmm. I was just organizing my uh, my binder of uh, Mirage cards, and I was looking at all of their lands there. And they have, a in, in Planes, they have two panorama uh concepts they in in they have a day and a night cycle of planes it's two uh halves of a day scene and two halves of a night scene so it's four total you know planes in that mirage set so i think that's kind of interesting that if you've got all those cards out you have this really cool panorama that's night and day and they're all planes that does sound awesome i'm a big fan of stuff like that mm-hmm yeah, connecting. Uh, if your lands like make a picture, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that would be something that I would really enjoy. They did that also in that same set with the forests. It's one big panorama, all four forests. If you line them up, they they all line up into a big panorama. However, the graphic designer in me, um, I have a degree in graphic design. I, I see that they kind of uh, cropped things a little bit weird because you see part of one tree trunk in one side of the card and a little bit too much of the same one on the next card. So I'm like, these don't line up properly. <laughs> How old are they? They are from 1996. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were doing their best. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's really cool though. I love, as long as people put thought into their cards, I always enjoy hearing like what thought they put into them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Before the before the recent price spikes, I, I got a, a bunch of uh, snow covered lands for uh, from Ice Age from the first Ice Age um, to put into some of my decks, and I'm like, well, when I first played with those cards in 1995, I loved them, and 20 years later, I put them into my modern decks, and I still love them. And then people uh, look at them and compliment them, and they're just they just stand out. They've got the old card borders, and they've got the old kind of style of art, and uh, they're nostalgic. And but now everyone also... will think you are fabulously wealthy. <laughs> well, like I'm saying, back before the price spikes, they weren't they weren't that expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, like the islands were like a dollar a piece, right, or a little bit more than that. Somewhere around there, yeah, them. yeah. That, that's now I'm right. kicking myself. Now I'm kicking myself for it. Should have just bought them. <laughs> well, you never know um, what will be popular or not. For some reason, uh, I was also organizing my homelands cards, and uh, there that that set is like a. a kind of like objectively the worst set uh and it has however uh a common i think it, no it's a rare a card called wall of kelp uh 
and it actually mel- makes zero one blue kelp tokens or something. And yes. I just I just saw that that card, uh, like in the last two months or something, spiked up for like fifteen dollars, and it was like yeah. ten cents for decades. Wall of kelp, yep, 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 and that would be because it makes tokens with defender, and it has defender. Mm-hmm. So your good friend Arcades Saboth mm-hmm. from M19, Arcades the Strategist, mm-hmm. says whenever a creature with defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Oh, okay. And Wall of Kelp is the only defender that makes defenders. So it draws so many cards in that deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's it's blue, so there's Arcades colors. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yep. Commander card. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have one copy of that card. Uh, back when I got back into Magic in late 2017, I went on eBay and bought a bunch of packs of, of those old nostalgic sets. So I, I mm-hmm. never had a Wall of Kelp that I cracked back in the day, 1995 or six or whatever. But on this batch that I bought uh, on eBay in 2017, I got one. So I've, I had that one I'm, and I'm realizing, oh, that one's kind of getting pricey now. And now I know why. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Is there anything you'd like to promote again? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I got it the one time. I'll have more promoting to do once I'm actually content creating again. <laughs> sure thing. I'll put your links in the show notes and uh, get people uh, raring or chomping at the bit to go check out your stuff. Well, thank you very much. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos, or YouTube. I stream every Saturday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Pacific time at gaming.youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. Or subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. I actually send people vintage magic cards if they go to the $2 tier, or even at the $1 tier, people get cool stuff. So check me out there, or just follow for free to keep up with everything I do. Well, thank you so much, Alan. I hope to see you in a future episode. Me too. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.